to another episode of James Bond and Friends, a weekly podcast from your friends at MI6 HQ and the magazine MI6 Confidential. I'm Paul Atkinson. Today we're trying something a bit different. We're going to talk about the artwork of From Russia With Love, both from the book series and some of the poster artwork that we particularly enjoy. And to do that, I've assembled a modest but influential panel of guests. So we've got Peter Lawrence, a first-time visitor to the podcast, Sean Longmore, Ben Williams, and David Lee. Could you introduce yourselves, please? Hi, my name is Peter Lawrence. I'm, I'm a long-term Bond collector and I run the blog Illustrated 007, which is entirely dedicated to the artwork of James Bond in books, in uh, film posters, uh, and everything surrounding um, James Bond. And I also, in my spare time, create some marketing guides um, about all the wonderful merchandising and posters and artworks um, surrounding the, the Bond films. Hello, I'm Sean Longmore, and I'm a graphic designer. I've been a graphic designer for about eight years, and over the past year or so, I've been working on some Bond fan posters, looking at interpreting Japanese Bond posters, and also some designs that look at reinterpreting uh, the classic pan novels, the newer films as sort of classic pan novels. Hi, uh, I'm Ben Williams. About 100 years ago, I studied uh, both graphic design and design fundamentals, uh, which I was subsequently able to leverage into a career in retail sales. Um, I currently write for mi6hq.com and the print magazine MI6 Confidential, where I've occasionally written about the art of James Bond, from the dust jackets of Richard Chopping to the promotional artwork for License to Kill. Hi there, this is David Lee here, and uh, by the sound of the qualifications of all, all the other guests, uh, I'm not sure I'm on the right podcast, but um, uh, I run the James Bond dossier, I'm the author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond, and uh, uh, I do quite like uh, some of the artwork for the Bond books and films, so uh, I'm not qualified really, but I'll, I'll still stick my oar in. It's all right. You're the you're the you're the silent investor in this enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Right. We've, we've we've got quite a busy schedule, really, when you think about it. So, um, first, we wanted to talk a little bit. As from Russia with Love is the first piece of artwork, the first cover art by Richard Chopping. We were going to sort of give you the potted history of of his work and his involvement with Bond. And there's quite a curious little story around the gun that appears on on the cover art. And so in a moment, I'm going to hand over to David to lead that part of it. But after that, we'll have a little chat about the first edition art. And we'll also each introduce a, a piece of art from later in the publication. So um, things following on from your first edition that we particularly like or we particularly find interesting. And then we'll segue into doing the same thing around the film art and hopefully have a bit of a compare and contrast. And I'll probably need to let some of these people a little bit to use their expertise to tell us about you know, similarities and differences of designing posters from designing book covers and all of that sort of fun stuff. So um, with that in mind, and before the guests protest too much, uh, David, take it away. Okay, so Richard Chopping, I mean, he he was an artist and author who in the 1940s, he made a bit of a name for himself uh, doing natural history books and kids books. If you, if you look at the Fleming first editions uh a number i don't remember how many exactly but from after from russia with love he did uh, most of the books after that and he also did license renewed and his his style is very distinctive it's uh, trompe l'oeil i think it's supposed to be pronounced uh my french isn't that good um it it means literally deceive the eye it basically is a style of painting that 
is very realistic that uses a perspective to create a, a kind of 3D effect. If you look at any of his work, you'll see that it is very, very intricate and you know it kind of pops out at the page a bit. Chopping had done uh, the covers for a, a couple of books in the early 50s and was a friend of the artist Francis Bacon. Bacon introduced uh, Fleming's wife, who he knew, Anne, to Richard Chopping. Uh, at, at an exhibition of, of his, his his own, it, it was a shared exhibition space. I, I think uh, Bacon and Chopping. So, uh, and Anne Fleming recommended Chopping to Ian, and uh, to with the idea of producing the cover of his next book, which was From Russia with Love. So Fleming came up with the idea of a painting of a Beretta crossed with a rose, but uh, because he couldn't find a a suitable gun. He got in contact with uh, Jeffrey Boothroyd, who was a firearms expert, and gave the name to um, Q, actually. And he asked if he could borrow one of his guns, which was a Smith & Wesson 38 uh, military and police model. It was modified by Boothroyd. It had a, a sawn-off barrel and a cutaway trigger, which um, aided fast draw, which uh, Boothroyd specialised in. And it is that gun which you can see on the cover of From Russia With Love. And uh, you can see that it's actually been sawn off because uh, it, along the side of the barrel, it says Smith & Wesson, and it starts at about the T or the H, I think, of Smith. So uh, it's definitely, definitely been done. But there's also... Uh, kind of appendix to all this, which is that Boothroyd sent the gun to Fleming, who passed it on to Chopping so we could paint it. But soon after he'd sent it to Fleming, the police called round after three Glaswegian women had been shot dead. So Boothroyd was a, a suspect in the murder because he had uh, a similar gun to, to the one that was used in the murder. So he told the police that he'd sent the gun to Fleming. He wrote to Fleming to warn him. Uh, and he, he didn't know if Fleming had a, a firearms license or not. He did. Uh, although Richard Chopping didn't. And um, anyway... Uh, Chopping and Fleming were in Fleming's office discussing the cover artwork. The police called Ian Fleming to ask him about the gun. Apparently, Ian Fleming took great delight in seeing uh, Richard Chopping squirming in, in his uh, chair while he was discussing the gun with the police. The killings were known as the Burnside murders, and they were were pinned on a a serial killer, Peter Manuel, who was in the end convicted of murdering seven people between 1956 and 1958, and he's thought to have killed two more. So it's a bit of a uh, a bit of a story to the gun that appears on the cover of the first edition. I have to admit, I didn't actually notice the the modifications that were done to the gun until just now when I was googling for the pictures. The other thing I noticed in my casual googling, and then I probably haven't given too much thought to, is that the Fleming covers first editions from. Casino Royale through to From Russia With Love get progressively more intricate but you compare sort of Diamonds Are Forever to say From Russia With Love that's a still a big step up in terms of realism and detail and maybe even thought that kind of goes into the illustration of each of the covers what do you guys think about how Chopping was able to change or influence the 
covers going forwards? Well, what, what I, I think is that after From Russia With Love, it was Dr. No, and it was a, it was a uh, it's the worst cover of all yeah. of them. I think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a not it's not a pleasant cover to, um, especially after such a such an outstanding cover with From Russia with Love, um, that just really does is so evocative and jumps right out of the page at you. And I think you know one thing you have to kind of remember is that Fleming had a himself had a very large hand in how uh, the design and the look of of, of these covers. So it's interesting that it's how the the artists sort of interpret his kind of ideas. For me, unless it's chopping, those the cover doesn't really the the cover for Casino Royale, and it and it kind of works because it's kind of that playing card kind of um, motif to it. Um, but it wasn't until you got this cover with chopping that it really kind of starts punching. And yeah, and I think um, I, I have a I have a little quote uh, from from Fleming, which, uh, which says that, um, you know, he'd seen the Raymond Chandler's, uh, simple act of murder, which was also a, a Trump Loy, uh, cover. And so he was influenced by that. And so perhaps that was playing in his mind when he did speak to, to Richard Chopping. Um, and it was kind of this convergence of coincidence that, you know, that Anne was able to introduce him. He was actually looking for somebody to, to do the cover at the time. So, my feeling is it's only really with with chopping that you get these really outstanding jackets. All, all that you say is, and I think a lot of Bond fans would agree that the chopping covers are kind of the definitive, like the fur. The if you if you see a chopping cover, even if it's not for a Bond, you kind of recognise the style and kind of associate that with James Bond. And it's interesting that these are the covers that sort of initially really firstly kind of took off um, as opposed to the others. Uh, why do you guys think that chopping style is so much more successful than those earlier covers? The symbol, the symbolism is, is, is there. Um, you know, I know, Sean, that you've, you've looked at the pan covers where they're, they're essentially very kind of pulp covers. And quite literal, right? Yeah, quite, quite literal pulp, pulp covers. Um, and, they, and they have that, they are in that, that art, style what elevates you know chopping's covers and is the fact that i think he it's symbology you know it's not necessarily pertaining to exactly what's within the covers but you have this imagery generally of juxtaposed things of beauty and ugliness there's you know either it's a toad and a, and a chrysanthemum or a gun and a flower or a skull and you know and it, it, it tends to be this kind of juxtaposition of these themes of of the organic and, and the artificial the ugly and the beautiful uh you know life and death and i think those those are themes that kind of um, persist throughout fleming's writing so in a sense what you're getting is a very immediate graphic um, representation of what you might expect to find within the pages. And I think that the, the artist's style, like chopping style and Fleming's particular writing pro style, complement one, one another really very well. Um, they're both very evocative and imaginative. And they, they kind of, they're, uh, Fleming's writing is, 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 is able to kind of bring you to, to a place very clearly and it's almost that same kind of illusion um, that that you get with Chopping's uh, work. 
So that's why I think he's he's he jumps out the most. It's because they are just powerful graphic, symbolic images. Accurate and thoughtful, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> N- not what we're used to on this podcast at all. Um, <laughs> can I bring Peter in? And not ju- not just from Ben. <laughs> no, it's no slight. It's no slight. Um, Peter, can we bring you into the conversation? What's your impression of the first edition and of Chopping's work in a broader perspective? For me, it's, it's kind of the the kind of literally the, the signature style of the books. So probably like like a lot of other people, I, I kind of came into the world of James Bond via the movies and discovered, uh, well, especially because I come from Germany, saw the German books, which were, by the way, quite ugly first. But then I discovered the, the British books, the hardcovers. And for me, the style of chopping is really... A, the signature style that I will always associate with, with with Ian Fleming and the original Bond books, because they are very striking, they are super detailed and then finely drawn. And for example, you mentioned that earlier, kind of when I look at, you know, whatever Diamonds Are Forever or, or Doctor No, they, they are forgettable in terms of cover artwork, while I will always recognize and remember um, Chopping's artwork, even you know, with the John Gardner novel that he did, *License Renewed*, you 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 get an immediate association. Okay, this is Bond. And it, it's a bit like like when you know this whole uh, um, what sorry to jump a bit to what what Frattini did later on with the film poster, where where kind of Bond is holding up a gun against his head, which became a signature style for the movies. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed by the work by Richard Chopping, and yeah, for for me, it's a signature style. Can I say perhaps something, maybe ask some sort of heathenistic question, but, you know, License Renewed seemed to be obviously at the end of his tenure and, you know, in the same way that Spy Love Me is basically You Only Live Twice rewritten. Is is the cover that he did for License Renewed from Russia With Love rewritten or are there are subtle enough differences? <laughs> it, it, I've actually got License Renewed on my desk. It's the only Richard Chopping cover I, I actually own. <laughs> it, it, it's quite different. It, it's recognisably chopping, but uh, it's got an automatic and it's got wild flowers or something and a string of pearls on a on a on the on a background of wood. So it's it's unmistakable. It's it's not the same design. You know, it, it's it's similar in a way, I suppose. Clinton, you can sort of see the similarities. I think probably busier, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's on purpose because when you when you look at it from a marketing point of view, you know there has been quite a um, gap of uh, in the uh, uh, Bond novels or continuation of the Bond novels, and I could imagine that they actually the briefing was um, guys, we need you know we got a new Bond book, we need to pick up on the you know old tradition. Let's create something. A, let's you know task the same designer as for the cover and let's pick up what people know so that we can ensure sales but that's maybe a bit cynical of me it it doesn't need to say james bond on it it looks like a bond cover it's unmistakable Mm -hmm. interesting i'm looking at them both together now and there's certainly a a kind of symmetry to them so sort of the angle of the gun is, is positioned if you put them both together you get a sort of right angle they, it's almost in a way it symbolizes like the growth of Bond, Bond for a new era. It's I, I wonder how much is that is chopping sort of rep- like playing on himself there. I have to say though that I I don't like this cover nearly as much. Um, I don't think it's as accomplished. I don't think it's as polished um, as Peter says. It it feels very much like a marketing tool. And I don't think it's as well um, realized. 
in terms of, of, of just, I, I think perhaps, you know, Dickie was at a point in his life where, you know, his skills weren't maybe as, as good as they had been um, in the early uh, you know, 50s. I, I think it looks like somebody trying to do a, a, a chopping cover. Um, and, and, I, and I hate to say this, but like one of the, the other uh, covers for special services, which is done by Trevor Scobie, uh, which is the coiled snake on the cover uh, is very much in that kind of uh, chopping style, but I actually prefer that. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. That cover to um, the license renewed cover. Mm. Actually, there's all, there's also something to else to say about the from Russia with love cover, and I, I think anyway that um, Ian Fleming also discussed the cover design and had some sketches at least done by, I, I can't remember his name, the guy who, who'd done the Casino Royale cover, I think it was. There is a, a, another cover uh, that is, uh, that is being painted that is essentially the same thing. It's, it's obviously there was a brief to do the, the gun and the rose. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting for, I'm, I'm sure we'll be putting links in for this podcast for people to have a look at some of these, these images. Um, but that particular one, although it's essentially exactly the same motif, it doesn't have anywhere near the power of the, um, of the, of the chopping final piece that they did for, for the book. Um, and it just goes to show that, you know, two artists can paint the same thing and, and create a very different feel for, for it. There's a reason we can't remember his name, right? Um, I will (laughs) put it in in post. Do it in post. <laughs> so any other final thoughts that you might have? Well, they don't have to be final. They can be long and expansive. But before we turn to talking about some of the other covers that came after this chopping work. Yeah, I, I'm interested to know your guys' thoughts on a few other things. I think the beauty of what we're doing here, doing each thing by title, is it as allows us to look at each cover individually or each poster individually. Yes. I think so often we talk about artists producing a set of work that we kind of skip over the amount of work that goes into a single individual piece on its own. Um, and I'm really interested to, what, to, what do you guys think? So, so there's the gun, there's a rose. How does that connote what's in the book? Do you guys think? Thank you, Sean. I was actually going to ask that, but it flooded my mind. But, but before, <laughs> before we talk about that, can, can I just ask you something, Sean? How, how long does it take you yeah. to do your artworks? Uh, it, uh, it, it completely, it's a rubbish answer, but it, rubbish good. <laughs> it depends. So my, I'm not, I'm nowhere near this level. I'm, I'm not actually a full uh-huh. illustrator. My work is photo illustration. So I work with photos and illustration. Typically the, so if anyone who's listening has seen any of the pan covers that I'm did, they're like postcard size. So they're not huge. Um, but one of those would take me probably about six to 10 hours anywhere in there. Um, But then I'm also a terrible designer in that I'm a bit of a cowboy because I'm self-taught and I spend forever playing with colors and sliders. And then I do one thing and then decide I don't like it and go back to the original. And um, which is obviously a luxury that chopping wouldn't have had. I think what's really, what's really wonderful here, even the most casual observer would be able to look at it and see the, precision and the detail and the planning that must have gone in to the painting and there's a really interesting graphic that uh, you guys showed me 
Um, I don't know if we'd be able to put it up of all the different color proofs of of the artwork as chopping was adding all the sort of all the yellow or the cyan. And it's really interesting to see how that layers up. And I, I can only imagine how long and frustrating it must have been as a process. Or either that or it just came really naturally to chopping and it's something he did really quick and I'm talking rubbish. There's a quote from him that says it was one of the, the hardest pieces that he had to do. And so you can you can see that actually, you know, he did actually put a huge amount of work into, into doing it. I, I think I read that it used to take him a month month to do each of them, but I, I mean, I don't know how many hours he, he was putting in per day to do that. It, it's it's well, as I've I don't think I've ever really appreciated it as a Bond fan, maybe as a bad Bond fan. But as I've been looking at this, is taking in how much detail is actually there, and the more you look, the more you spot, like sort of that you can see. Um, there's a there's a pin in the flower, and then there's like you can see some sort of texture and veins in the in the flower petals, and then there's a lovely shadow that comes around to the handle of the gun. And then even the even the screw on the gun, it's it's not immaculate. It's it's worn. It's he's taken time to detail how uh, like the chip in the gun. It it feels that hyper realism kind. Of, it sells it. It really really sells. Yeah, it. I, I I was actually looking at, at the wood background uh, yesterday. I, I think it was when I, I was uh, preparing for this, and and I I was thinking, no, I would not want to do that. And he did it last as well, right? So that was, yeah. I, it's it's it kind of boggles the mind. Um, what I what I very admire because I'm kind of dabbling in, in in you know painting a few things myself is a this was before Photoshop, before layers. So basically, when you put the color down, it was there. And uh, one thing that I you know it is probably trivial, trivial, but. I admire the wood structure in the background because I mean that must have taken bleeding ages to 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 do all these you know to to do all these lines and everything and and um, then you know from 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 painting on on paper myself I, I know for example you know if you put one drop uh, of color on it the entire thing is ruined so I, I wonder also how much how nervous he might have been when he was painting that so you know you tip over your your glass of water. And everything is ruined. So you know, hats off to to you know the old style artist who did this. As a child, my 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 grandfather had these watercolors up on the wall. Um, you know, and they would be watercolors of. Um, so he was a keen gardener. So there would be you know uh, pictures, paintings of tulips and things like that. Which um, I, I think, as David mentioned earlier on, chopping made something of a of a career of doing watercolors. And I think it was predominantly uh, wildlife. Uh, insects and the like but you know it was that kind of uh, uh, painting that you would sort of see framed in somebody's um, library or office or something like that um, and so for me I think it was this kind of subliminal perhaps subconscious connection that I was making to to this kind of watercolor style um, this kind of um, analytical style uh, that required precision and detail because of you know these these were the kinds of things that were going to go into rather than photographs of these things that you know artists were producing these to to be illustrative within a um, a factual book. Um, so it's interesting to me that you know Fleming chose what would normally be a style that would be associated with um, 
you know, encyclopedias and things like that. Um, and, and to kind of place that into his kind of his boy's own adventure spy world, because it, they, the two don't necessarily correlate to one another. So I do think it's interesting that he's chosen this, this person with an immense uh, eye for detail keen eye for detail and precision and wanted to you know when you learned about something in uh that fleming was writing about you know that he'd he hadn't kind of just casually passed it by it was either through lived experience or or through research so i think that 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 attention to detail mirrors mirrors what's in the book mirrors fleming's own fastidiousness um and is just a, a kind of a uh, an interesting different approach to take but the, the, the revolver looks like i could pick it up it's it's incredible it's funny you should say that david because um i wanted to get this <laughs> this is a stupid thing to say but i wanted to get this tattooed on me uh because of, you know obviously i'm a big fleming fan and i'm a literary fan probably before i'm a, a film fan um and it was my it was the most evocative um cover for me it's the first book of uh, Fleming's that I ever wrote, uh, read, sorry. Um, and, and so for me, it had that connection. So I, and uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be great. I could get it tattooed and I'd have it just on my waistband. So, you know, like if the, the, the handle of the revolver would just stick out at the top of my, <laughs> um, but then I, then I realized that this would be a very bad idea. Um, you know, should I, should I be mistaken for a, a glance for a concealed weapon? Um, something now that I'm living in the United States that I, I kind of, I'm glad that I didn't do. So it, it would, it would also mean you'd have some, uh, rose petal, rose thorns sort of sticking yeah, out. Yeah, that's very, very true. And who knows where that, uh, that, that thorn would go. <laughs> that sounds painful, man. I want to come back to Sean's question about sort of the symbolism and how it ties into the to the novel. What do you think? I mean, it's a bit of a reach to ask you what you thought Fleming was thinking of when he said, "This is kind of the composition I want." But what do you think are some of the inspirations, or what 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 do these images clue you to as part of the story of From Rush with Love? I mean, the um, the beginning of the book has kind of this long path, um, you know, long part about roses. And when Red Grant uh, uh, talks about the whole, you know, there are roses in Russia everywhere. Um, and to my shame, um, who uses the uh, Smith and Wesson in in in, in the uh, in the book? I can tell you that nobody. Yeah. It doesn't appear in the book at all. He's, right. Uh, he's, he's issued with a Smith and Wesson in. Uh, I believe Doctor No. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? So that's the next yeah, novel. Yeah, but, but, but it, uh, not this model, I don't think. No, but it's. Um, I, I think it's like a continental air weight or something, perhaps. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Does that tie into to what you said earlier about him trying to find one particular kind of gun and couldn't find the appropriate model, and then sort of settled for this? Oh, I don't. I don't know if it was settled. I'm thinking here that maybe there's some kind of symbolism of the Cold War going on. I think the Smith and Western Smith and Wesson is a very sort of American gun, and then you've got the Rose, which is Russian. You've got them both intersecting. Huh. I, I, oh yeah, good point with the red. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, for me, it. it it, it it perfectly sums up the novel. There, there's a uh, you know there's some love there and there's violence it, 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 at that level. But uh, yeah, perhaps the red rose symbolises Russia. Yeah, I you know guys, I had never considered this before. 
uh, until Sean had just said it, but that's, that's an absolutely brilliant. And, and it does almost kind of, there is a, there is a sort of a connection to that um, hammer and sickle, uh, you know, of the Soviet flag, you know, there's a, something of, of the crossing of those two things, you know, the just, and the way that they are um, laid out on the flag that kind of, has a connection to the to the juxtaposition of the rose and the gun on on the cover as well and i think yeah the you know the rose symbolizing russia and the and the gun symbolizing america and yeah it, it's that's a really good way of putting it and i genuinely had never considered it before i thought it was um i think i saw it as a much more basic level of just being um as david said like uh, love and violence Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. America versus Russia. Let's send in Jimmy Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, um, do you? Does anyone of you know if actually the title, kind of from Russia with Love, was actually painted on the artwork? Um, was it added later on? Because when you look at it, it's kind of a bit ballsy to 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 actually have the rose stem um, cover the title. You know, imagine nowadays somebody would say like, "Oh, we just cover the title." So I'm just wondering if it's actually part of the original artwork or if it was, you know, added later and and then, but quite artistically. My understanding is that it was it was done by chopping, and the reason I say that is because I've seen the piece of like the sketch that Fleming drew to give to chopping. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he writes. He writes the title on it and his name on it. And I think either that was taken literally by shopping and, and he put it on there. That's that's what I thought it to be. I could be wrong and I'm happy to be corrected. The other thing with looking at that typography is that there's actually a comma that I that we never put in the title of the <laughs> book or the film. And kind of makes a lot more sense in the context it's um it's it's come up before and so um just as just to this is my understanding of it the novel is from russia comma with love and the film is from russia without a comma love with love um so technically if you're looking at any book cover that doesn't have the comma in it it's not reflective of what the title of the book actually it's I, i've it's actually got one on my desk here right now that's like that and have i two of them so peter if you open your first edition uh from russia with love and you look at the front matter where it's got the copyright and the assertions of the author and everything is there a comma there <laughs> hang on yeah it's from russia comma with love all capitals it's it's interesting this is something that drove me crazy while i was researching for this podcast I'd never noticed it before, the comma. And then I've seen that publishers over the years have kind of played it fast and loose, including it and not including it. And what I find fascinating is that now Penguin, who publish uh, the books here in the UK, they seem to have completely ditched it. And there's a really interesting, if you look at the red um, tattoo ink covers they did for, was it 75th anniversary of Penguin or something like that? There's a draft version where the artist has drawn the comma on and then it isn't there on the final piece. So there must be some kind of mandate that goes round at Penguin where they say, we take the comma off. It's funnily enough that it's kind of quoted in a certain way in the movie uh, with Connery, because when there is a scene where he actually signs the <laughs> yeah. photo, and he actually writes first with love, and then adds from Russia later on. 
So I'm not quite sure if that is, any, uh, is related in any way, but I, I always went like, like, huh, that's odd. I was thinking of all of the James Bond films that have pause. From Russia with Love is one of them. Sorry, From Russia with Love is one of them. Love. <laughs> from Russia with Love. Um, I think like a lot of Fleming's titles, um, it was, you know, a play on words or a pun, much as, uh, you know, Live and Let Die was, um, uh, you know, it's it's and the same way as On a Majesty's Secret Service is a is a play on a, on a Majesty on a Majesty's Service, which I think a lot of people wouldn't certainly in the states would know. But it was kind of a, a you know a postcard sign off, you know, uh, and and the uh, I suppose the joke here is that nobody was really traveling uh, to Russia at that time um, in a kind of a touristic sense. Um, I, that's why I always took, took it to be, you know, like a slight kind of tongue in cheek. It kind of plays into, I suppose, a lot of stereotypes, Western stereotypes that were going around at the time that if you receive something from Russia with love, there's almost like a deadly undertone to it. You should be suspicious of it perhaps. Yeah, that's, that's true too. I, I always, I always just thought it was kind of like a postcard sign off and sort of slightly funny because it you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have got something like that from russia and it, it, it was in the same way that i don't know just with with a lot of fleming cycles he kind of um was always kind of making slight either puns or or kind of sly jokes and um i feel like this is one of them that hasn't really either landed or doesn't land for a modern audience but i think it's important to not forget that you know, everyone always talks about dark and gritty Fleming, but I think actually quite a lot of the time he was, um, you know, had his tongue firmly in his cheek. <laughs> the t- giant squid. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right, Sean, about the from Russia with love, and yeah, it's a definite threat. Uh, I'd, I'd like, I'd, sorry, I'd like to bring us back just onto the type because I think there's some really interesting decisions that have been made here with the type. Um, it, I'm looking at a picture now that has the cover and the spine. The letters are very similar, so I wonder if they were stenciled and then chopping added them in after um, as stencils. But what I find really fascinating is the position of Ian Fleming's name, and it's just Fleming, and it's quite small, and it's the lower right-hand corner. And when you think about at the time that this was released, Ian Fleming's name was probably what really sold these books, and I think it really speaks to Fleming and Chopping's confidence in the art that his name kind of gets pushed into the corner and they know they know that they can hook a casual viewer and, you, and someone can instantly look at that and go, that's James Bond without having to see Ian Fleming. And I think that's really clever. Actually, now you're talking about the font, there's something interesting about it because it's T-Chest font, I think. I think T-Chest was designed by Robert Harling, who was a friend of Ian Fleming's. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and they, oh dear, how did they know? Did I can't remember if Harling worked at the Sunday Times or, or not now. I can't remember exactly what the connection is. Oh, that's that's really that's a fascinating connection, David. I I had no idea, but that would actually make a lot of sense, and certainly would tie into how Fleming liked to include his friends and his enemies in in his works, and you know give them a subtle promotion. So each of the covers, with the exception of Goldfinger, have just Fleming, and usually on a skewed angle, right? So not like in line with the title or what have you. But Goldfinger has 
Ian Fleming. So they took a step backwards from that <laughs> from that decision that they made him from Russia with Love for Goldfinger. And then pretty much, well, actually, Spy Love Me, it is, you know, ver- it's horizontal instead of vertical or something like that. That's not really a, there's no pattern to it. I determined there's no pattern to it, <laughs> with the exception of Goldfinger being the outlier, which actually includes his first name. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the front cover of a book, I mean, if you're in a library or in a bookshop or something, you, you see the spine of it. So it, it, it's, it's maybe not so important as... Um, you might think. Well, we. Um, I used to work in a bookshop um, I, back in the back in the day, in the mid nineties, um, when it was still Dylan's before it became. Back when books were relevant, right? Yeah, back when people bought books. Um, I worked in uh, Dylan's on Oxford Street, which was kind of like their flagship uh, store. So I think it's now Waterstones, and I don't even know if it's there anymore. Just to David's point about spines and front facing, you would have edits come through as as to what should be front facing what you were promoting so yeah you would lay things out onto a shelf and then you'd be said that week you'd have to have you know a number of these facing outwards um you know to to kind of bring people in yeah absolutely that that, that's not changed so my first job was also in a bookstore i was i was in waterstones a few years ago (laughs) and that that's still exactly the same that's still the same practice as you're told what needs to be front facing i'm told what also is laid out on tables and what's presented. And often it's it's the popular heavy hitters that are sort of presented that way. Yeah, it's interesting though, because you you know, you you have to watch I don't know if it's still the same with with it was it Waterstones because took took over um Dylan's and I think a lot of it essentially it just was a change in in um in name. Um I think I think a lot of the operational stuff stayed the same, but essentially you would have to keep an eye on on your stock levels to make sure that you had enough to front face outwards, you know, because you and uh yeah, it, it it is interesting how some some things kind of then just disappear by the wayside, you know, they just end up being spine only and <laughs> But it, it, it is interesting that now we always, uh, in the store I worked in, there was always usually at least one Fleming sort of facing outwards. And that was always one that was particularly highlighted so people could easily find it. Talking about spines, uh, there's something, something interesting, and uh, I, I don't know how it is with German books, Peter, but with, with, an, English, with an English book, you lie the book uh, down on it, on its back, so you've got the cover face up. You turn it so the spine is facing you, and you can read it. And so uh, I've got from Russia with love here. In in Spain, the 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 uh, text is the opposite way round. If you lie a book on its back, the spine text is upside down, which I've always found completely weird. It's it's driving me nuts, to be honest. It's it's uh, the same across Europe. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes put my books, you know, on the shelf, but I sometimes also, you know, pile them up. Yeah. And with European or German books, you can always decide either, you know, you have the, the title readable when they are lying flat, but then you never see the cover. And I never quite understood why that was. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm simply puzzled. But it's, it's, I think it's the same across Europe, and I have no idea why. Mm. Well, maybe it's if it's on lying on on its back, you can read the cover if you're at the right angle. But if it um, if you flip it, if the book's lying on its front, you can read the spine. Yeah, but why would I read the spine when I can look at the cover? <laughs> uh, this is one of the mysteries. 
as much as I appreciate this investigative journalism, I think we should probably do Welcome, Peter, to share with us his first selection, or probably, in, given how time's going, his only selection of uh, a cover that postdated Chopping from Russia with Love. Sort of maybe give us a three-second spiel about why you think it's significant <laughs> or interesting. <laughs> a thirty-second spiel. I'll give you. I'll. I'll, I'll... I'll double down. Okay, definitely not the first edition. I um, I hope you can show that in the postcard later on. It's a 1991 edition from Kiev, um, so from from former Russia, then now Ukraine, and I, I I chose that because it's it's actually the opposite of most book covers. I don't know because. There's no way around it. It is ugly. It's inappropriate. It shows um, a person, you know, remotely resembling James Bond, but a, you know, a blonde, smiling, you know, on the, on the cover. And I also ask like myself, what inspired the the artist, the marketing director, to 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 illustrate the book that way? Because there's no relevance uh, uh, to the book whatsoever. Um, and it's, I just find it fascinating because it's so different in look and feel and, and the cultural approach to, to market these books from what we usually see in, uh, in, in, in Europe and in America. So, you know, I, I find it very fascinating. Um, not, not pretty, but something You wouldn't different. get away with using the 007 logo on the front cover of a book these days. <laughs> True. Thank you very much. Also, you know, I think the copyright thing wasn't taken too seriously. I, I love the fact, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the cover now, and I love the fact they've left the little trademark symbol next to the 007 logo. They've even taken the effort to paint that on. That's class. <laughs> and that was my set with 30 seconds. No, that's, that, that was that was great. Perfect. Um, The other funny thing about it, it sort of like, looks like Roger Moore, but maybe, I don't know, Reminds me of somebody else too. <laughs> Who is that man? Yeah, I mean, they, they actually did use the when, when you look at the hand holding the gun. It's actually from Moonraker because you, you do recognize the the, the glove that um, from the promotional shoots. So, so they kind of must have put this together from different picture sources. And I, I will not even comment on the on the back of the book because I think that was trying to to push sales. I was just going to say the only significant thing that I can see is that the reel of film is appropriate for <laughs> one particular scene, and that's about it. Um, the, the, I was going to say the sm the smiling woman on the front actually reminds me a lot of the Marilyn billboard. True, yeah. That's, that's a very similar image, isn't it? Uh, that yes. could be it. I, I, I never. Yeah, that might be. Oh, see, I never noticed that, but yes. And I, I do sincerely hope that this is actually from Russia with Love because, uh, um, you know, being ignorant um, of the Kyrillic language. So I, I do hope this is from Russia with Love cover and not <laughs> somebody who can read and write um, Kyrillic. Um, I'm just like, Peter, this is actually Goldfinger or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, can read a, I can read a bit of Cyrillic and the second word it, it looks like is something okay. to do with Russia. Okay. So... <laughs> Like I would say yes. From Goldfinger with love. You're, you're safe. <laughs> did, did they put a comma in it? Can anyone that can anyone that speaks it please write in and let us know? It's a bit. It's interesting to me because, despite being one of the ugliest covers for this particular title, it does actually have more of a connection to what's actually happening within the 
the story than say you know the first edition cover does you know you're actually seeing a small scene from the crystal palace there on that you know so you and and as peter suggested you know maybe that's uh or, or whoever said that it might be uh marilyn um you know i'm i'm not sure why james bond looks the way what he does though i mean he looks like barry norman but but I think it's interesting that you know even though this is this is taken a scene from the book, it's less successful a cover than something that doesn't necessarily relate immediately. To the sort book. of back where we were with the talking about the pan covers, where we said that they were quite, I said they were yeah. quite literal, right? This is in part very literal, but also very ethereal in a sense well, that's as well. Well, way of putting it. <laughs> well, whereas, whereas the chopping cover is very concrete in a sense, right? Like the gun looks like a gun and the rose looks like a rose, but they don't call back to very specific scenes Are you in the that a film. Painted but it? the illustration himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 it's probably worth to highlight as well. What's interesting is what's happening here is something that happens on a lot of international versions of Fleming's books, particularly post sort of 1970, is that um, they're tuning into the film iconography. They're, they're, they're painting from the film. They're using stills from the film. The Turkish paperbacks from the mid-'80s do a very, very similar, very similar thing. Um, I, I'm very happy to move on from from this particular. Can I also say? Can I also say one really quick, unrelated thing that's really random? Uh, the sort of type at the bottom right hand corner yeah. looks to me like the same version of Futura that the No Time to Die title. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well spotted. Although we uh, we gave it a poor review, Peter, I think that was probably one of the more fascinating ones you could have brought <laughs> that, to our that, that was the point, because I will never defend this as, as beautiful, but that's why I like it. Also because it comes from the former, you know, of course, you know, behind the Iron Curtain, yeah. which is also a bit of an irony here. Yeah. All right. Um, Sean, Sean, would you like to oh, which one, share a cover? Which one shall I pick? I'm going to – so I'm going for – uh, forgive me, I don't know the exact year of this one because I think it was reprinted a few times, but the 2000s Richie Fahey's cover. Um, so in the mid-2000s, Richie Fahey did a full painted set of all the covers. Um, and From Rush With Love, is it's not my favourite of the bunch, but it is one of my favourites. I think it's it's really beautiful. Um, it's the, You get the grey and red sort of colouring on there. There's a very similar type to the first edition. Um and what I think it does wonderfully is it doesn't depict James Bond, um, which I think is when you look at James Bond covers, either either they do or they don't. More often than not, they do. And when they do, they kind of tune into a likeness from one of the films or they kind of show him in silhouette and in shadow. But here they completely avoid it, but you still, on first glance, you can look at it and instantly recognise that it's a James Bond cover. And I think that's a brilliant talent. It, it does have James Bond on oh, it. Oh, very though. small. He's fighting in the train. Yeah, I, I actually, I was going to say, if you flip it over, I, I've got I've got a copy of this edition in my hand at the moment. If you flip it over on the back cover, it's got a hand with a, a Walter P, PK in it, which um, is a bit wrong because he was still using. Is that wrong with somebody mooning? Uh, on the front. if you look at under, underground, somebody's <laughs> pressing their bum against the the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we managed to get through an awful lot of this podcast bit before we got that much. Um, by the way, there's a reason why there is no, um, at least in the um, UK and US publications, uh, the, the recent ones, um, the Ian Fleming publications, to my knowledge, said like, okay, we don't want a picture of James Bond uh, uh, on the books. So, so when you look very carefully at all the new books being released, um, you will never really see Bond's face when you look at, you know, the um, Folio Society ones and everything. They always avoid showing the face. Do you know, I, 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 think, that, I think that's probably a good move because when, when people think of Bond, they, they probably think of an actor and the one they're most likely to think of probably is the current actor. And so it, it kind of, it, 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 it makes them a bit more... Um, it allows you to, to inhabit that character as well a little bit, you know, to, to put your own face on, not your own personal face onto the concept Bond, but, but your own imagination conjures up. Yeah, that, and that's, always, that's always been a part of the, the Bond thing anyway, yeah. I was just going to say, um, Activision have no qualms about, you know, this, so they could, if they could have done Daniel Craig and Goldfinger, they would have been happy. Um, just, just a word very quickly on that Folio Society. Fact Alton's work, I think, is stunning. Um, and I like the fact that whenever you see Bond in any of her illustrations, he's obscured by smoke or, you know, with somebody's shoulders slightly covering his face, whatever it might be. I think she does. Uh, I think she captures the moods perfectly um, in her illustrations. Absolutely. And I think uh, something I, so it's probably worth saying as well that this, this um, so Richie's cover here has uh, Titania on the front and Faye does, also does fant- a fantastic there's a fantastic illustration at the start of the Folio Society from which we love. And I, I love, even though I suppose in a way that kind of suggestively targeted towards a male audience looking at the book cover, it's really nice to see female characters in the James Bond book gain some highlight and some recognition as well. I'm just wondering about, I mean, the Folio Society may be a topic for a whole other podcast, but maybe in terms of, you know, choosing what to depict, they might have it a little bit easier because they have several key scenes to illustrate. Whereas if you're trying to do a book cover, you have to sort of attract attention, pick the iconic scenes, choose the iconic characters. And so you always just kind of squeeze too much into something simple. With a, a, a straight novel, then you're trying to get people to pick the book up and read it. Uh, with the Folio Society, you've got people to uh, pick it up and they're reading it and they're looking at the pictures inside already. So it's not uh, so critical, perhaps. Sorry, maybe it's interesting as well, though, on that, that the illustration they used for the they used for the boxes for the sleeves in the Folio Society ones and never actually appear in the novel themselves. It's always a separate one. Say that again oh, for me. I've... Sorry. So the, so the illustration on the front of the Folio Society. Sorry, I'm holding it right now, so I'm like talking and talking about it as though you guys can see it. I'm probably rather foolishly. Um, the Folio Society ones come in like a box. They come in like a sleeve, and the illustration they use on the cover of that sleeve in, isn't actually in the book. It's a separate illustration. Oh, right. Yes, you mean it's not contained within the book itself. No. It's a it's it's a box specific illustration. Yeah. So there's it's it's then there must that what we're saying about how it's harder to draw a cover must apply there at least in some capacity because they've got to pick one that they're going to put on the cover. So the Richie Fahey designs that uh, were they like early two thousands, mid mid two thousands? I don't know. I'm relying on you guys to. And for some reason, I remember when they came out and they. 
it was the first time we got sort of an illustration that was sort of maybe a little bit more literal. Yeah, it, and this one previously we had you know, yeah, we previously had sort of textures and this sort of thing, and they probably came out about the same time as the the British paperbacks, which were all you know oil or gold or for Rush with Love, the one that's on my desk is hair. You know, they're quite worlds apart in that sense, right? Like it was the first time we maybe got some serious illustration on the cover of a book and since the gardener era yeah it's 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 interesting and i would i would almost say these this was the first um set of books that i come james bond books that i collected completely while i was so i was while i was growing up becoming a teenager i was like collecting these these were the ones i wanted specifically um i got a handful of them free with a newspaper uh, and then collected them from there. And then there was also a sort of Me box too. set. And I've never had that drive to do that with any of the other sets of books, bar now the Folio Society versions. Yeah. So maybe they came out in parallel. And actually, I think I remember because the British paperback, Penguin, you know, oil and smoke and hair and whatnot were pretty freely available here in New Zealand. And I looked at the US covers with these, you know, more striking literal illustrations and went, hmm, okay, well, I'll settle for this. I was just going to uh, mention that I found the artist who um, did the original. Uh, you know, we were discussing earlier about um, you know different artists who had, had done the illustration. Um, there was one that was done. It was a rejected artwork by Kenneth Lewis. Um, so I will uh, I'll find if I, I see if I can find a link for for, for that illustration. Sorry, I was just I was just scrolling through some pictures and I found it. So I thought I'd mention it. Uh, ben, do you want to bring us a, a From Russia With Love cover? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you guys. By the time I, I got to pick my pick, uh, all the good ones are gone. Um, and I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I find it very hard to, without being churlish, I find it very hard to top anything um, that um, you know, hasn't been, that isn't the, the original uh, illustration by chopping. However, there is this uh, one here that I have picked, uh, which is the U.S. Macmillan hardcover uh, edition jacket. Um, it is uh, it's blue and black. It's a very graphic, strong graphic image. It's sort of it's slightly redolent of kind of. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, Cold War era. I, I've um, never I've never seen this before. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice. I, I think of all of the other covers that I've seen, I guess it's the one that kind of sort of jumps out at, at, at me. It's got a, you know, it has got a kind of a Soviet era kind of uh, graphic style, with a sort of a Saul Bass quality to it as well. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it so which also kind of picks up on that um, almost Hitchcockian quality um, that the, the the film has that really resonates with me i was trying to sort of pin it down so that was just like those moving titles those early moving titles right yeah the, the store bass did those kind of like title sequences for the hitchcock films and i think it has that kind of same kind of graphic yeah. quality but it yeah, also... actually it, 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 it's, it's interesting that the, the train the perspective of the train car- carriage and then the the two characters in there but then the wheels and so on of the of the carriage uh, are quite detailed aren't they yeah it it does remind me a lot of Soviet era kind of posters that you would get like those very graphic, like almost propaganda posters that they would do, and you know that would that would be kind of um, 
sharply angled and uh, you know and, and dynamic even though that they are i mean there is a certain dynamism in this because of the because of the angle of, of uh, yeah. you know, the thing the train from and i do like it you know you are and it is kind of picking on that although this again uh, as sean sort of said you know this is picking up more on film iconography than it is um, you know the actual content of the book because there isn't really a fight in the in the carriage not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it but it you know it it does i think just have it also kind of makes me feel a little bit reminds me kind of like of um uh you know the 39 steps and i don't know why it's just got that kind of more boy's own adventure quality to it well what's interesting is in the uh bottom right hand corner it says a james bond mystery but if you read the first third of the book it's it's no mystery. <laughs> the, the mystery is where is James Bond for the <laughs> the, the interesting thing about this, it's actually um, um, a special print by Macmillan for, for US libraries. And there's a series of, um, I think, uh, six altogether, at least that, that I know of. And they all are very similar, quite abstract uh, um, designs. The, the irony when I look at the cover is actually it's, they must have used a German train as as, yes. as the basis because it's, there's all this German writing at the kind of I was about to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wonder, like, because um, usually these these are not German, but so somebody has just took some some picture and inspiration and just chucked it together to make it look cool. Yeah, it does. It does look kind of <laughs> slightly chucked together, doesn't it? Um, but at the same time, I think it is. I think. It's pretty strong, you know. I think it is a strong um, kind of graphic uh, to have. Um, I I think it would make a fantastic sort of poster on the wall. Um, I you, you know if if you blew that up to kind of poster size, I'd, I would I would hang that on the wall. But I probably wouldn't hang the first edition, you know, the Chopping's picture on the wall because I don't think it don't think it lends itself to that. Um, yeah, this this reminds me more of those kind of alternate alternate um, post movie posters that you see um, that are kind of you know just strong graphic representations of the film. So, yeah, I do like it. But most importantly, it has the comma. It does have the comma. Yeah, it does. It's it's right. I'm Jump I'm train, but with a comma. I'm finding what's what's really interesting about this one is that it's product that it's blue. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. Are there any other from Russia with Love covers that aren't red? It's an interesting color choice, isn't it? <laughs> you know, not to, not to go with that. I wonder if blue is just cheaper. Um, <laughs> you know, well, it, it doesn't fade as quickly as red. We all know that kind of most of the, the paperbacks, you know, that have kind of a lot of red in them. Ah, yeah, fade it makes very sense quickly. from ivories, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah possibly. Uh, yeah, I've 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 known. Um, that there's been sort of briefs that I've had that have, that have gone, yeah, we well, can only use this color because, or only use these two colors because it's cheaper to do that. <laughs> well, two color printing is cheaper than four yeah. color printing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd have to do it on mass. Yeah, so um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's gone and maybe it's along those sort of lines. You know, um, but I think yeah, again, not a first, not a first pick. Um, I think everyone else. I would have I would have picked Peter's first choice because I think it's beautiful, uh, really genuinely a lovely, lovely cover that he picked out there. I'm kidding. Um, 
I think we can move on from me. <laughs> All right, David. David, lucky last. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with the uh, Panther edition. It's not because I love it. Um, it's really more sentimental. It's more of a sentimental thing because when I uh, started buying new uh, paperbacks rather than from the, the market. The, the first ones that I, I bought were these Panther editions, and uh, the and the, when they came out, there was a there was a, a thing in the Sunday Times which I kept, but it's one of those things that a lot, uh, over the years I lost uh, somewhere, and it, it was just talking about how they 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 made this giant golden gun, and it it was slightly influenced by the Beretta, but they didn't want to copy the Beretta precisely because they didn't want to uh, promote uh, Beretta because in the 1950s, um, you know, the, uh, Fleming's books had given a bit of a boost to Beretta. They didn't want to particularly do that. So it's this, it's this kind of um, inspired by Beretta, but not a Beretta golden gun. And all of the covers ha- have women draped over them in kind of very bad taste i would say so it's uh but but they are qu- they are quite striking uh it's got james bond in uh, the bond in huge letters taking up about a quarter of the uh cover and uh it says from russia with love with no comma although on the spine it's got a comma and uh it's it's, it's just it's just part of my childhood so uh I love that. I love that the spine has got the cover, but the yeah. the front hasn't. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's imagine curious, decision, isn't it? The decision process there. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's hedge our bets 50-50. Yeah, it, it was when they were transitioning from the comma. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> working, slowly working it out. <laughs> yeah, you can't put it on the cover, but you can put it on the spine. You can have it on the side. There you go. Um, it's interesting you should you should say that it's a false I didn't realize that it was an actual full what I thought was this was some sort of composite where they'd you know they'd taken a picture of somebody laying down and and then just sort of no from what I can remember because I, I mean God knows when I lost it years and years ago um, it, I think it was made from plywood and it was like it was like this six foot long uh, gun and it, it was fantastic it would have it would have made the uh, the, the perfect uh, collectible but uh, probably in those days it just got chucked at the end of the project but uh, the poor woman all complained about splinters oh, yeah. what, a, what a wonderful thing to to have if you could have that you know like this huge this enormous golden gun <laughs> you know, that was a coffee table or something oh, I, I read that as well okay? and, and that's why you know you have different uh, women but you have always the same gun because there was only one uh, uh, gun that they could use and it's actually a cult uh, uh, uh. yeah I, I, I don't I don't think it's exactly a cult though but from what from what I remember it, or, or maybe maybe I'm confusing it with a different cover um, but what I when I I thought it, it was um it was a kind of hybrid design but Sorry, when I said cult, I don't mean the the traditional one. I think it's just the name of that thing. But I'm not a gun gun expert, so okay. ignore me. It's it's either um, it's certainly based, I I think um, on on that platform on that 1911 platform. But it might be there are so many variants on that. Um, but I, I think it still has that um, very Bondian quality to it. But you know, being well, it's gold for a start. <laughs> Yeah, this lump of gold. 
Um, I'd, I'd love to, at some point, you know, obviously not on this podcast, but down the line where we'll be discussing some of the other covers, you know, that talk about the use of gold, uh, you know, and, and how that reflects, you know, why that's so important to, to kind of bond, why that, you know, why that has such resonance in... Next week on James <laughs> Bond and Friends. Well, look, if Lisa can go on about yellow all the time, I can go on about gold, so... How do you guys feel about how, um, I assume this is supposed to be Titania, is presented here. How do you feel about the presentation of female characters on these covers? Yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's that, that's always been an issue uh, for me. Even even when I was a kid, I, I just, uh, I find it problematic. I mean, um, it's, yeah. I mean yeah, it the question is, could you get away with this? Um, today on a on a on a on a book cover for um, for a, um, a Bond book, and I, I doubt you could, because I mean, when you look at the, I mean, from Russia was love is fairly tame, but when you look at the rest of the series, where you go like, okay, the photographer had fun, um, and and I, I doubt you know you could do this um, nowadays. Could you get away with the Fahi cover nowadays? Yeah, but but they they are different. When, when you look at the Fahi, um, actually the 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 women in Fahi's covers are actually his wife um, that he, he took photos of and then changed the, the the hat, and they are still sexy, but not sexist. Okay, that's at least my opinion. Fine line between stupid and clever. Um, Sorry, I was just. I, I just <laughs> the podcast walks that an awful lot. There's no line. It's it's a it's a quote from uh, this is Spinal Tap, but it's uh, but it was just more that we were discussing cover art, and I just suddenly had a flashback to that bit where they were all just talking about their album covers. Um, and that, I haven't uh, seen that film in a really um, long time. <laughs> yeah, I I think I I think that the portrayal of you know, women on these covers is, you know, probably probably more distilled reflection of 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 attitudes than the whole film, or the you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like it's like they they've tried to encapsulate uh, a whole kind of feel of of what's contained within this book, and that's you know, sexism is what they've kind of come up with. Um, but I do. I don't know. I, I mean, it's interesting when you think about the first edition cover and then David's pick of this cover, you know, there are, there are similar motifs within what they've tried to do, you know, the, the gun and uh, a beautiful woman, uh, you know, versus the gun and the rose. But, the, you know, to me, I think, you know, this one, this one just feels like a kind of, um, you know, a playboy shoot from the 70s. Yeah, all, all, all of this series is the same. Yeah, it feels like a product of its time. Like that was this is the cover that feels yes, the most dated absolutely. to me in terms of that, which is you know of interest in itself, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think it's a I think it's a great pick because I think I like the I like the font. Uh, I, I like um, you know I, I like the, the the way that they've sized the font and where, where they, how they've positioned it and everything. Uh, I think it's like a really nice kind of it's it's punchy, you know. You you definitely know what what book you're getting, and who's in it. Bond. <laughs> it's Bond, but I do. I think it's. I actually, you know, it's. Um, I think it's a pretty classic typeface, and I think it looks it looks really good. I do think I do think the artwork itself is kind of a little bit, bit dated. 
you could almost have that that cover without any art on it and just leave the font you know leave leave the typeface and it would still be a good cover sean what sort of like i'm going to bring you into the conversation a bit what sort of patterns do you see between all of these covers that have been picked out and where do you where do you fall into so I, I was just thinking about uh, on the on this typeface on this specific cover it's a type that then crops up in a few other places within bond's uh, bond books um I've mentioned them briefly before. The Turkish covers use the same kind of typeface and layout. Um, and then these are kind of the national na- natural evolution from what where the pan covers sort of ended up with James Bond in big, bold letters at the top, then the film's title, then Ian Fleming. I would suspect, and I haven't done this, but if you put all the sort of mainstream, say, UK paperbacks for any, well, in, any Bond title, but if you put them all for From Russia With Love in a line, you would be able to kind of see a progression and a through line as they all evolve. Sorry, I went miles away from your question there, Paul. That's great. We've we've got an we've got an entire hour out of judging books by their cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So well, that took a little bit longer than we were all anticipating. So we're going to call time on this now and thank my panel, Sean, David, Peter, and Ben for coming along and talking about the From Russia With Love covers. And I'd love to say that we will convene this panel again to talk about the From Russia With Love film art at a not-too-distant date. Stay tuned to James Bond and Friends, and thank you all for joining me on this adventure. Um, yeah, I think this, is, this, is, this has been something that I've wanted to talk about for a while, so I'm really grateful to to both um, David and, and to Paul for uh, kind of conceptualizing this and, and making it happen. I'm very uh, very honoured to be a part of it, and with such a such an illustrious panel. So thank you. Also from my side, thank you so much. That was great fun. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure talking to you and uh, to have your input in, into this because uh, uh, this was this was something I wanted to do uh, a lot. So uh, thank, thank you. Very you. Much. It, was, it was really lovely to meet you, in particular, Peter. Um, your blog sort of has been a place where I've discovered lots of Bond art over however long I've been a fan. So thank you. Thank you, everybody, for organising this and having me on. <laughs> <laughs>